across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are selling her hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? <laughs> Good afternoon, and you're listening to Flavour, food and drink in and around Cambridge. I'm Matt Bentman. My colleagues Alan and Sue can't join me live in the studio today, but we've been around and about in town to bring you some interesting features for today's programme, including a chat with a local fishmonger on the best bits to eat. We take a wander around the newest deli in town, have a walk with the boss of, uh, have a talk actually, with the boss of Smokeworks, and go wild in the country with Steve Thompson, the foraging chef. So let's begin with that trip to the deli. And Karen Oakley recently opened Sage and Saffron on Mill Road. This is the deli, and it has its heart set in the old ways. Trying to take it back to how grocery shopping used to be, it's good for us, but also for the customers as well. I grew up in a village. Everybody you went into the grocery shop or knew each other, had time for each other. And I think that's been a bit lost over the last few years. It's really nice to get to know your customers. And we do have people come back and go, can you remember what I bought last week? And normally we can. People shouldn't be just a person coming into a shop. I mean, we've found in the past, especially with the Saffron Walden shop, is that actually some people come in just for a little chat. And that's fine too. That's all part of what our culture is. The Granville, fetch your cloth. The swallows are leaving Granville and they're leaving it all over our window. Get it off. <laughs> yeah, I've had a few of them. <laughs> yeah. There's this older gentleman that lives just down the road and the other day he came in, he must have been here for about 45 minutes and we were just talking about his whole life story. And he said at the end, I'm sorry for bothering you. I was like, no, it's wonderful. I, it's nice, like he said, to yeah, build them relationships. You can't always get what you want. You get what you pay for at Sage and Saffron. You can get a whole mix of a fruit bowl, for example. You don't always want a bag of six apples and a whole bunch of bananas, and especially if you're, there's only one or two of you, you actually prefer the variety. Well, buy two apples and two bananas and then not have the wastage. That's one way of people saving money at the moment. Look at the wastage. It's all very well getting a pack of six apples that you might look on the face of it as being cheap, but if you throw more than half of them away, it's not cheap at all. So you may as well get what you need and save money that way. Quite a lot of people come down here, say, like um, for their lunch. They're walking down the road and they'll just grab an apple or an orange. The fruit and vegetables that we've got here from farmers markets in London, especially the clementines, a lot bigger and juicier than ones that you'll find in your normal supermarkets. None of the vegetables are like frozen or refrigerated before, so they always like keep their taste in. They've got all of the full flavour in there. 
That's no hyperbole, is it? Supermarkets are effectively hamstrung by criteria, the size of it, how long it's expected to last. You're not going to get lucky and walk in and find a gigantic onion in amongst a hundred others which are small. You know, it just doesn't happen anymore. No. The opposite is what we have here. Your choice is made on sight, smell, taste, texture, feel. Yeah, and I think because we select our own, we don't use a wholesaler, so we don't just receive whatever somebody wants to send us. We actually go to the markets and personally select what it is we want. But we're also looking at price. We're very conscious of what customers want to pay. If something, for example, may go up, we have to reflect that in our prices and we, we don't want to have to then pass huge costs on to customers. So it may be that we just don't stock it and we'll wait for the price to come back down again, especially seasonal foods. A really good example at the moment is Jersey Royals, horrendously expensive. And whilst a lot of people would love to buy them, it can feel almost embarrassing to ask for that amount of money for some potatoes. So what we'll do is we'll wait just two or three weeks until they're really properly in season. And so then we can actually offer the best with a good price. But we do have our staples and we always have clementines and they're always amazing. Again, they vary in size. Some people prefer smaller ones, some people prefer larger ones, or they want a mix, which is why we do it by weight as well. Whereas the supermarkets might do it as an individual price, which is why it's very uniform in size, because then it, it can be the same cost. Whereas we'll do a weight, and then if people want a few more and they go for smaller ones, they're not being penalised. I bought something from you last week. What's the problem? My Blackberry is not working. What's about it? Run out of juice? <laughs> Oh, no, it's completely frozen. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see that. I'll tell you what, let's try it on orange. And all the products try to sort of enhance others. So we've got big cheese chiller, a huge range of chutneys to go with it, a huge range of crackers. So it's just trying to enhance all the products. They all sort of like meat. When you visit Sage and Saffron on Mill Road, Annie is probably the person that you're likely to meet. She's well-versed on all the products and she really loves the life of a small shop. From experience, you know, I, I came over from quite a big retailer. There's a lot of differences between the two. From my experience working over there, like I wasn't overly happy with wastage and coming over here kind of like warms my heart a little bit, you know? It's nice to be working for like them bakeries, it's just like a man and a wife and, you know, we're supporting like, all of these really small businesses and it feels really nice to be a part of that. You are a very specialised deli and you've got very specialised customers coming in. Yep, yep, you know, yep. a specific taste, they know exactly what they want. So I guess the other question then, which I, I mentioned uh, to Annie about, was like, here we are on the Mill Road Mile, as they yep, call it. Yep. On this side, you've got, say, like your limoncellos yep. and your... Hillary's yep, yep. and then Culinaris just yes. over the bridge. There's enough room for everybody, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think so. And I think that a lot of people will specialise in... So we've got Lemoncello that obviously does Italian and um, you've got people that do French or Continental. I've tried to keep more British, although we do have a lot of Spanish and Italian and we've got some Greek products. I try and take the best of everybody, really. Yeah. More than 50% of our cheeses are British cheeses and you don't get that range anywhere else. And it also means that we can then support... A Again, some of those smaller dairies where they've got their own herds, they're milking their own cows, they're then making their own cheese. 
and then we're stocking it. So it's a very sort of artisan process. So I think there is space on Mill Road for this shop. I'm not here to compete with anyone. It's bringing some different products to the street. So it gives the the, the consumer a lot more choice. It's always good when you've got shops that slightly cross over or complement each other, because then for the consumer, they're just coming to that one place rather than them having two miles apart or whatever, because you'll, you'll find that you're not actually leveraging off each other. And it's obviously a very diverse culture down Mill Road, bringing something different. 50 Cent, the rapper, ordered a grapefruit soda and then said the greatest thing anyone could ever say when they see a grapefruit soda. He looks at the waiter and he goes, why isn't this purple? (laughs) This week's grapefruits were extraordinarily huge. Three times the size of the regulars. I was shocked when I saw them this morning. But yeah, no, they look beautiful. I I did have to taste one just to make sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, how can you describe to a customer whether or not it's what, what colour it is inside and what it tastes like? So we can only give that advice by tasting it ourselves. So it's yeah. important for us to, to, to taste. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at them now. They're huge. You've got to check out the fruit and veg. Do we want to walk around together? Yeah, oh yeah. Definitely. Let's go from the door. Yeah. Okay. Look, that's how they normally are. If you smell that... Oh, so strong, yes. Yeah, you can actually smell it. without it being sliced. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. People bring tomatoes up to the till and you just get this waft of tomatoes. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have a large selection of clementines, lemons, and lemons are great. They don't have a huge amount of pips in them. They've got a great flavour. They're not, not as harsh as some of the lemons that you sometimes get from the supermarkets. A lot of people come back in for the lemons all the time. Apples, Pink Ladies and Braeburn typically tend to be people's favourites. I know there's a huge variety. And actually, I've got a gentleman near Saffron Walden this year. He's got about 15 varieties of apples. We're going to be his sole seller of them. And they're going to all be organic. And he's not, you know, he doesn't really do anything with them other than pick them. So we're going to have a nice autumn of, of apples. Then we've got large oranges. Very, very popular. Mangoes, grapes pears and it will be fruit and veg that's in season as well so personally i'm looking forward to cherry season because that's one of my favorite fruits and um, you know some of those grapes are about the size of the grapefruits you'd find (laughs) elsewhere yeah and they're seedless it's unusual to find a large grape that's seedless so yes nice range of tomatoes and again if you just want one tomato come and buy one tomato As we were recording, a chef from Hot Numbers on Guardia Street came in and did just that, picking a few tomatoes, one onion, some garlic. Right, yeah, so I'm going to get some stuff and experiment a little bit. Nice. Nice. Freedom of choice. Why should anyone be dictated to that they have to buy five large tomatoes or they have to buy a whole punnet of cherry tomatoes? Mm. Not everyone wants that, and some people prefer to buy daily. And then you're going to get the freshest and the most tasty stuff then, not having it in your own fridge for a week. And baskets full of lovely big red and white onions. So you get a lot of colour with these. That's not just polish, no? No, not at all. All natural, completely. 
I've been so cheesed off lately because every time I've tried to get onions anywhere, they're so small right now. You've got all the large ones, that's why. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, there was a mixture of sizes because not everyone wants large onions because what they'll do is they'll cut it in half, put half in the fridge and then it'll end up in the bin. So because we do it by weight, you can have whatever size onions you like and you're paying for what you get. So whilst we do a great selection of sweet cakes and tarts and some breads, we also have a lovely range of pork pies and they're actually made by a small bakery up in Norfolk. They're all handmade. We do a traditional pork pie, but there's also one with onion marmalade already in, so it gives it a slight sweetness to it. The pastry is very flaky, crunchy. I know with most sausage rolls and pork pies, you get a lot of the fatty gelatin bits in, but with these ones, you don't get any of that at all. Like it's all, you can taste like the freshness. But I think that the bakers also use a really good quality pork as well. Yeah, it's just really meaty. And the web was started recently um, doing Scotch eggs. It's just a one-person company, but he clearly has a huge talent keeping the eggs really soft and runny. Again, Annie has tested those as well. <laughs> Every single one, <laughs> yeah. So there's loads of different flavours. You've got chorizo, traditional black pudding, pork red onion chutney, and then a spring onion and cheese. I tried the spring onion and cheese one, and it was absolutely divine. As Karen said, you know, this guy really does actually take care with each and every one. And so the delivery came in this morning. He makes them and ships them straight to us. Fresh ones in every week. Try the wine. Thank you, sir. Happy days. We finally got a confirmation of our alcohol licence today. So what we're doing is a selection of fine wines, probably only about 20, 30 wines. It's not going to be a huge amount, but there will be some craft beers in there. And there's also going to be some craft spirits as well. So we have a really nice Essex gin. It's called The Only Way is Gin. A bit of a play on words there, which we've found has been a really popular one. They've also got a new one coming out this week, which we'll be stocking, which is a pink gin. It's a raspberry flavoured, but it's not a hugely sweet, but it's a lovely, lovely flavour. Trying to keep with the whole culture of the company where we're looking at small distilleries, help some of those people that it's just one person or two people and keeping it local where we can. And I'm trying to stop things that people don't know or haven't heard of, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Believe it or not, you can actually do some pairings from beer to cheese as well. Um, not everyone likes wine, so it's, um, yeah, so we'll be hopefully doing some tastings and... Very refreshing. I'm pleased you appreciate good wine. It isn't easy to get an alcohol licence down Mill Road, and so we feel we're really lucky to actually have achieved that. It's funny, you're being so conservative about it now, but just a few minutes ago, they were whooping and cheering. <laughs> I could be paying for you if you want. I start screaming and everything, yeah. About three hours ago was yeah. when we got the email to confirm, yeah. and we were very excited. Down. I was clapping away. Oh, my God. I, honestly, I, it's been months that we've been waiting for this, and, yeah, she just looked on her phone and suddenly looked at me and was like, we got it, Annie, we got it. It's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> so, and we're also very excited about clearing a few of our shelves to put them on oh, as yeah. well. <laughs> Tidying up a little bit. We love that. Very passionate about wine and we cheese. Yeah. And, obviously, and obviously the tasting that we yes. have to do oh, yeah. as part of the whole buying. I mean, it's dreadful, isn't it? Oh, so, it might yeah. take a whole day. You, you don't know. Oh, it's a hard life. It is a hard life, absolutely. Have another glass. 
So I'm Karen and I was with Annie who's one of my star people when I'm not here. She looks after the shop very well. The shop name is Sage and Saffron. We're at 172 Mill Road. I'm happy, I'm happy and I punch the man who says I'm not. I'm happy. I'm oh yeah, really happy and it's great to be able to be in Cambridge and there was only one street I was ever going to be on in Cambridge. Mill Road is the foodie street. If you're going to do anything with food you need to be on Mill Road. It's a new venture and I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen going forwards and how we can adapt our whole product range around what we see as being a, an enhancement to the street. Lovely. Well, it's great speaking to you, Karen and Annie. Thank you. And you're listening to Flavour on Cambridge 105 Radio. Sage and Saffron. They opened in January and like a good journalistic bloodhound that I am, I got there at the end of April, but just in time to see them get their wine licence. Good to see the prohibition laws easing on Mill Road. Less speakeasies, more delis. You can check out their veg boxes, hampers, groceries and cheeses all on Instagram at Sage Saffron Deli. Now some details of free food available in and around Cambridge. The information comes from the Olio app, which exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste. Now, Olio is spelt O-L-I-O. It's free to install on your smartphone or tablet, and using it, a person can give their surplus food away, and anybody can come and collect it. So, a quick look at Olio today shows that David on Sedgwick Street, near the Cromwell News Agents, he's got stacks of bread to give away. Bloomers, pancakes, rolls, farmhouse loaves, naans, baps, tea cakes and bagels. Just tell him what it is that you want and what time you'll be there to pick it up. Meanwhile, Jen near Cherry Hinton Park has a box of Ceylon tea up for grabs. Ralika, I hope I said that right, near the Abbey Stadium has a Christmas pudding looking for a new home. Nikki and Aubrey has jelly baby bunnies and a big bar of hot cross bun flavoured dairy milk, both unopened and ready for pickup. And finally, Michaela in Hazlingfield has a bag of mixed nuts to give away. And that is just a few of the things that I found available today on the Olio app. Now, don't forget, there is another free app. It's called Too Good To Go. Now, with this app, it features unsold food from restaurants and shops, often at less than half price. And rather than specifying what each leftover item is, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag, ready for you to take home instead of it being binned at the end of the day's trading. It's good, isn't it? Food-wise... Uh... Well... well, uh, To err is human. <laughs> so we um oh sorry again sorry um um but good food is divine um um uh, um yeah <laughs> so listen to flavor on cambridge 105 radio we'll put the heating on as well we've got, yes. we've got nice fairy lights <laughs> Okay, moving on to some news now. Gutter and Stars, Cambridge's own wine producer, their first wine of 2022 is about to go on sale. It's a white blend of Ortega and Bacchus grapes, ready for release on Monday the 16th of May, and it can be ordered from the Gutter and Stars website. And hot off the heels of that release will be the 2021 Bacchus. This will be ready early June. It'll be available to order in a few weeks' time. Following this, there are three more wines from the 2021 vintage, a Pinot Noir, a Chardonnay and an orange Bacchus. And we'll be back for some more news later. So here on Flavour, we're always on the lookout for the best things to eat. Alan Alder asked Ben Roberts, who sells fish in Granchester Street on Saturday mornings, about some buying advice. 
Ben, I was wondering if you could tell me about really, you know, the best bits of fish to eat, things maybe that people don't know about so much. Personally, uh, I really enjoy cod cheeks and cod tongues, or the cheeks from any pelagic fish, really. The, the halibut and the monkfish are really, really meaty and juicy things. And years ago, people ate them all the time, but it's been... Uh, the last 20 or 30 years where most of the cod cheeks and tongues and the halibut cheeks and the, and, and the monk cheeks go onto the continent because they like them there. I mean, it's fallen out of favour here, whereas before people would always go for those. I don't think I've ever seen cod cheeks on sale. I do have Are they them. called cheeks? Yeah, they are cheeks. No, 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 there's no other name for them. <laughs> it is literally the cheek from the head. And all over Europe and all over the world, the, the head is quite a prized bit of a fish. When you have a whole fish, the cheek is, you know, for a lot of people, the best bit. Even on little trout, the cheeks are really, really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, but they must be expensive because of the time it takes to cut them out. Not particularly, you would think oh. so. And they are, they're a delicacy on the continent, um, the tongues especially. The cod tongues are in the, the, the fancier restaurants. You'll probably get three little cod tongues and it'll be 10 euros if we're done in a garlic sauce. And they're really tasty because there's only one per fish. So they are a more expensive yeah. thing to buy. Golly, um, well, I've certainly never seen them. Yeah. And are they called tongues They as are well? called tongues, yeah. <laughs> they're called tongues and cheeks, that's it. Well, and what are they like? Are they, are they um, a bit raspy? Or? No, not at all. It's a soft, um, sweet flesh. It's, it's like because it's a muscle underneath. Yeah. It's not literally the tongue itself. It's actually the, the neck part under the tongue uh. that moves the tongue. It's the muscle under the chin. Uh. Uh, and it, it's, it's a really sweet, tender piece of flesh. It's like a... Um, uh, fillet steak tender, if you know what I mean. It's a very yeah. nice bit of fish. It's only a little bit, but it's really tasty. Yeah. yeah. And in this country, are they? The, it's not so much. Sure you can get them, but it, the, well, where can you get them from? Uh, well, where you get them from me? <laughs> <laughs> but I need to know you want them because I'll, yeah. I'll cut them out and bring them. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. I've brought them before, and, and so few people know about them that I don't bother. You know, it's yeah. I have them at home. <laughs> so if you if you have a good fishmonger, they'll be able to get them for you. Yes, they can source them. Yeah, they're, they're available. What do they look like on the plate? Are they uh, not a bit the cheeks sort of... look... Um, they have a, a, a big sort of round nugget shape with a, a sort of muscle that goes down the side of the face as well. So it's uh, if you imagine a cod's head, um, it's sort of a, a, a bit like that. It's a sort of Q shape, a letter Q with of meat. Uh, and it's really tasty. Yeah, very nice fish. Uh, and same with with monkfish and the halibut. It, the, there's those two, it's more just a sort of saucer shape because they're a flat fish. Um, yeah, but really tasty fish. Right, so I don't know how many people know about these things, but <laughs> probably not very many. No. <laughs> right. Okay, and what about, I suppose, the more familiar uh, parts of a fish? Is there, I mean, Salmon, for example. Yes. I mean, if you get a cut a, 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 um, a salmon, a piece of salmon, is there a sort of best end? Well, it depends what you want to do with it and um, your preference, really. Some people really enjoy the tail because there's there's very little fat in the tail and it's a firmer cut of fish because it's more just pure muscle, whereas the, the, the top end and behind the neck and the belly, where the fat is, it's a softer piece of fish. And if you wanted it to be... Um, for sushi or anything like that, a lot of people want that end because it'll slice and the fat is nice to do as well. 
Right. Each does, to the, their own. does the fat not mean it's got more flavour? Sometimes it is. It is. A, it has its own flavour for the fat. If you had a piece on the neck or a piece on the tail, you can taste the difference because because of the fat that's in it. But yeah, I, I prefer the tail because I, I just I, I like the meatiness of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and also, I know when I bought fish from you before, you've told me, uh, I mean, this was placed, that, that you were selling me a male. And yes. I was rather sort of taken aback by that. I mean, is there much difference between the male and the female? There are. It depends on the time of year as well. Uh, so when the fish are in breeding season, especially on the flatfish, the, the females, when they're producing the roe, tend to stop eating and all of their energy and bodily goodness goes into producing the roe whereas the males only have a little male part that involved in it, and they tend to be smaller fish as well. The males are usually smaller and they don't lose the weight. So the male fish still say nice and fat, the same sort of thickness all, all year round, yeah. whereas the females, when they're breeding, lose a lot of weight and the flesh goes watery, uh, and when they're back finished breeding and they're back feeding again, then they're, they're back to normal, and the, the roe sack sinks, uh, shrinks, and their bodies fill up with meat again. But, I mean, so really, if, uh, if you're, a, you know, a, an epicure, um, you would go, uh, during the, 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 the breeding season, you would specify to your fishmonger that you would like male place, would you? Yes. If, uh, uh, and that's true of other fish, too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. same, um, it's, it's harder with round fish, because cod and haddock, uh, even the males do lose some weight in, in cod and haddock and things like that. There's not as much as the females do, but they still do, and they still... The flesh goes a little looser until they, they, they feed heavy again through summer and into winter and then the, the cold water and the, the flesh firms up. Um, but definitely for all flatfish, uh, the females do lose the weight and go thin and uh, watery flesh when they breed. Right, and that's in the months... Sort that's of just sort of, after yeah, just after winter, Christmas. We, we, the cod and everything will breed just after Christmas... Uh, and into the new year and January, February, with the, the sort of you get all the, the cod row and things, and then and the place are a little bit later, sort of spring, and they've usually shot all the row by May time, really. So that everything then it takes a, a week or two for them to start feeding and put and putting the weight back on, and then sort of June, July they're back to yeah. back to normal. Okay, great. Okay, and finally, what about where the fish come from? I mean, is a fish that I don't know where the, all the fishing areas are, but are there particularly good fishing areas for particular fish? The fish taste better from this. Uh, yeah, there are. Um, it's all down to what the fish are eating. So, and um, different areas of the sea at different times of the year and different seasons for the breeding, etc. And the fish migrate and they move around and they eat different things make a difference to how the fish is and how healthy it is and, and the kind of flavour you'll get when you eat it because you can have a piece of haddock from near Norway and a piece of haddock near Rockall uh, and they're totally different flavour even though it's the same fish they were totally different and the Rockall fish will be a lot more meaty and firm and sweeter whereas the, uh, the Norway haddock would taste slightly uh, weedy because there's a seaweed around Norway and it how tastes incredible. a totally different flavour. That's but, incredible. Yeah. So if, if I ran a top fish restaurant or if people who do run top fish restaurants, do they say, I want some haddock but I want it from... They well, probably will do, yeah. The ones that know the, the fish properly will know that the different times of the year where to go for which, what fish they want and they'll know what season it is and say, right, well this time of year the rock or haddocks will, and the rock or cod will be nice and full and fat yeah. and I'll have those or they'll say, I want the scotch or I want the south coast fish. 
and it's whatever you know they, they know the, what they're doing <laughs> right and what about you is there a time a time of year that you would like that you really enjoy because this particular fish is at its best or are you I, fed up with fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it, it is a bit of a lifelong <laughs> journey but no i, I do look I, I love it when sort of late september october and everything is in prime condition you know all of the flatfish all of the round fish and um it doesn't matter where it comes from it is spot on and uh, like i said for rock halls i think west coast uh fish i think on the, uh, the atlantic side have got so much more flavor and uh meatiness to the, the, the flesh uh I, they're my favorite by a mile for haddock anyway oh really <laughs> right okay that's okay oh well, thanks very much you're ben. very welcome oh, thank, thank you, you. Yeah, that was Ben Roberts, who you can find in Grantchester Street from 8.30 until around 12.15 every Saturday. He certainly knows his fish, and when he makes his purchases at the Grimsby Fish Auction, he goes for the ones that have been caught at the best fishing grounds. Alan is a regular customer, and when it comes to fish, he says that he has certainly had none better. OK, I'm off for a two-minute break now, and hopefully see you after the adverts. Cambridge 105 Radio. Monday evenings on Cambridge 105 Radio. Strummers and Dreamers with Les Ray. As there are so many different kinds of folk songs out there. Traditional ballads, shanties, work songs, songs by singer-songwriters of all kinds, my particular thing. You'll get live sessions and interviews by local performers and those from further afield, the big names on the scene and newly emerging independent artists. Lots of new music, some classics and something special just for you. Strummers and Dreamers online whenever you want it and Monday at 7 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Are you suffering from buffering? Find yourself screaming, not streaming? Or do you just lag behind? Then it's time to demand better broadband. City Fibre is building a brand new full fibre network across the UK, giving you access to broadband from a range of providers that's more reliable and up to 20 times faster than average. So you can stream, game and video call without interruption. Get connected to full fibre today. Choose your provider at cityfibre.com slash Cambridge 105. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of CKLG, responsible for business services. We understand that running a successful business brings many challenges. Our experienced business services team provide a bespoke service and offer professional advice at every stage of your business journey, allowing you the freedom to focus more on what you do best. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk cklg accountants your partner in business your partner in life cambridge 105 radio welcome back to flavor food and drink in and around cambridge just time for a little more news now the next wine tasting at amphora in devonshire road is a rare opportunity to taste solaya and tignanello now, Salaya was the first Italian wine to be named the world's number one wine by Wine Spectator in 97. And their winemaker, Giacomo Takis, the first Italian to be named Decanter's Man of the Year. Now, this tasting is on the 11th of May and it costs £65 and you can book via the Amphora website. And Meadows in Eltersley Avenue has a wine tasting evening on Thursday the 12th of May, featuring their top six wines of the moment, with the Meadows team on hand to tell you more about them. The cost is £10, you can book via the Meadows website, and there is a case discount available. Some more news later. Now, 
Max Freeman is the managing director of Smokeworks. They have branches on Station Road and Free School Lane in the town centre. There's been some interesting news lately with Smokeworks separating from their longtime partner, Cam's Cuisine. Sue caught up with Max Freeman to find out more about that split. It came after the pandemic. It was a perfect time to us to think, right, well, let's be our own boss. I took an opportunity, came to an agreement, and I, and I bought the two Smokeworks out of Cam's Cuisine and demerged it. Uh, a couple of months ago with plans to progress Smokeworks as a brand. Yeah, that's pretty much where we're at with that now. It's, we're two months in. All the challenges that keep throwing up at us, if, it, if it's not pandemics or Brexits or rampant inflation, then we're, we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, it's good. Because, of course, staffing is one of the other things that's hit Cambridge quite a lot, isn't it? It's, it's hit the whole country, it's hit the whole industry pretty hard. Now, I've got a solid base. I think it's going to make growth difficult. How the next six to 12 months plan out with that, I think is going to be interesting. Staffing, I don't overload my staff with hours, so they do sensible hours, which is good. But people have to work weekends these days. <laughs> because people like to go out on weekends. So not everybody can have the work-life balance that they really would like, but we try and be as, as kind as we can. So, but yeah, staffing is tricky. Cambridge is affluent, but it means the cost of living's high, so therefore it makes it difficult for people, you know, not going to say lower skill, because I don't think it's lower skill, but probably at the lower paid end of the spectrum, more difficult. Mm. You know, not everybody's a, a software programmer or engineering research student or something like that. But I'd rather be here than certain parts of country where they, they they're getting it in every way so mm. it'd be a lot more difficult if we weren't busy uh, i have lots of sympathy up and down the country for lots of businesses who i know are struggling interestingly with your station road side you're in a prime position to see what's started to happen in terms of return of the, the tourists to cambridge what's your view the return of tourists to Cambridge is interesting because this isn't a tourist area. That Yes, they, they come on the train and they'll walk past us. The biggest impact on the station road site has been the return to work and people being able to work from offices again. You know, we're in what's known as the central business district. These offices were empty for nearly two years. So getting people back has been a help. The hybrid working, this idea that some people work from home and work from office has meant the week has changed you know friday nights used to be the night but now thursday nights the night we don't open sunday nights because nothing was really happening so we said well let's focus in on a sunday daytime the tourists a biggest impact will be in the center of town at the other restaurant because you know it's right by king's college it's obviously the eagle pub it's got the corpus clock just around the corner and obviously it's the sedgwick museum just behind it so that really benefits from the tourists actually because that's in the tourist area so there are two businesses that are similar but different in their, their demographic. The tourists is going to be interesting when we get the overseas. Last year, last two years, it's been the staycationers. True. So we saw a big increase in uh, British-based tourists. Hopefully we'll get European and Asian continent and American contingent back this mm. summer. What would you say is your key brand element? Because in one sense, Smokeworks have got this unique, dare I say it, flavour in comparison to your yeah. previous bedfellows with, with Cam's Cuisine. Yeah, I mean, it's, when we were in Cam's Cuisine, the Smokeworks guys always felt like they were the naughty child. It was something very different to the rest of Cam's Cuisine. And in a way, we didn't see how it fitted with Cam's Cuisine in some respects. But having said that, it always had the same principles Cam's Cuisine in terms of its people. We you know we wanted good, fun people to work. We wanted people who nothing was too much trouble. So we've just continued to push that as our brand focus. We're smoke works, we're beer, we're barbecue, we're bourbon, but 
were fun. Vicky, our manager at Freeze Lane, literally drags people off the street. Mario here at Station Road, he gets more mentions on TripAdvisor than anybody because we're friendly, we're fun, we interact with people. We're not robots, we're not automatons. And that's effectively what it's about. Many years ago when I worked for Lock Fine, one of the managers said, running restaurants is simple. It's cold drinks, hot food, big smile. And we do that. And we add in our own twist. We've got our switches, we've got the orange lights, we've got the loud rock and roll music. We've changed our values slightly from the Camps Green values. So we've, we call ourselves a, a barber crew. This is a play on the word barber crew, which means team. It's rock and roll, which is our ethos, it's our approach. Everything we do should be rock and roll. It's about having fun, it's about enjoying things. It's being a little bit edgy. And it's barbecue, which is about the food. So those are our, our values now. Barber crew. Rock and roll barbecue. It's a bit silly, but it makes it it's easier to remember. And do you do sort of special events, or is it very much all about the food and drink? Well, the, both restaurants, their bread and butter, so to speak, is serving food, serving drinks. There are events we do do. We have a bourbon night. We're thinking about chucking in a rock and roll bingo. That's one of the things that came up. But we've also got the mobile side of the business now, which is where I've I've started pushing some of our emphasis. Because we get asked a lot, oh, we'd love to have Smokeworks at our barbecue, at our, our corporate event, whatever, be really good. Could you do something? And so we've invested in what we call our rib runner. We've got a mobile barbecue. We've got a big corporate event in a couple of days' time, 210 people. I'm going to rock up in their, their outside office space and serve pulled pork buns and ribs and hot dogs and chicken wings to their guys and as an external barbecue. So we've got that aspect of it and that came from the back of people wanting 120 sandwiches takeaway from their office and I said well we can do that sandwiches that's great not a problem at all and I said well would you come to us and so we got our mobile side of the business so that's how I'm looking to grow the business at the moment making sure that both restaurants are hitting their straps expanding the burgeoning mobile side of it before I look at other sites middle mm. of next year and the big key is it's about being confident in the resources of people so therefore, I can't open a business and can't run a business if I don't have the good people. We're busy, so my hardest thing is finding enough people to deal with how busy we are, which I think is a, is a positive problem. It's a very interesting site as well, your free school lane site, mm. isn't it? Because it's, it's all slightly up and down and yeah. it's rather interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's an upside down, topsy-turvy site. It's five or six different rooms. There's lots of vibe going on there. It's fun, it's funky. It was the old Arena restaurant, I don't know if you remember that, for many years ago. And, I do. Um, <laughs> peas with everything, peas, mixed veg with everything. Peas and rice with everything, exactly. <laughs> it was a funky space and we took the opportunity to move into the old hairdressers next door. It's been great. It's an absolute success story. We wouldn't have this one if the first Mac one hadn't gone so well. But it wasn't just the site. We still serve proper, honest, authentic Smokeworks food. Customers come in and if our guys aren't smiling and giving them a good time, then... then... And what would you say your favourite dish is in the restaurant? My personal favourite right now is our, is our sausage sandwich of the dogs. Uh, we smoked Cumberland sausages for two, two and a half hours and you used to get a dog or in a sandwich with some melted cheese and beer onions and th that for me is one of the best things. Sounds good. I've had a lot of ribs and I've had a lot of chicken wings. <laughs> yeah. So now when I get something, for me, my, my favourite dish changes mm. to the newer dish because I've obviously I've been involved in it for so long. Mm. So right now it's a sausage sandwich or a meatball sandwich. We've just introduced a, a Philly cheesesteak sandwich as well, which is going down great guns. It's a smashed Philly cheesesteak, so Ooh. that's uh, pretty fun as well. We try and keep our menu interesting. I've got quite slightly addicted to bourbon as well at the moment, which is slightly worrying. 
which Ooh. I never used to drink spirits before. Mm. So maybe the demo's has done that. Oh, well, oh, well, it's the, the sampling, isn't it? Exactly, yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. It sounds like you've got great things going on ahead and lovely. Yeah, the future is bright. The future's orange, I think they said. Yeah. <laughs> the future for us is, re- is really consolidation. There's no two ways about it. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say, oh, we'll be opening one in the next six months. It's about consolidation. 12 months, we need to get through the next 12 months, see where we're at see what opportunities there are, see if there's the people there, and then grow. Ideally for me, we get to half a dozen restaurants within an hour of where I live, in here in Cambridge, and that'll do me fine. That'll do me fine. If anybody else wants to take it on after that, that's up to them. <laughs> for me right now, I get to half a dozen similar-sized campesinis. I, I will feel, then feel I've fulfilled what I wanted to do. The thing about Smokeworks, it can flex up or down as a brand. I could go into a small site and be a Smokeworks Express, 20 covers, do lots of takeaway. Or I can go into a nice big pub and be a more rounded experience, for want of a better word. I don't want to be sponsoring the Olympics just yet. No, no, no. Just keep smoking. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, the one good thing is the only thing I smoke are ribs. Uh, nothing, good. I, I don't smoke anything else. <laughs> That was Max Freeman of Smokeworks talking to Sue there. He's a happy chap, isn't he? With separate menus for either Smokeworks site, you can see everything that they have to offer via their website, smokeworks.co.uk. Uh, That's the music signalling the latest food tweets from the city. We've just got time for a couple. Cambridge Food is looking for help launching its Going for Gold campaign to make Cambridge a gold-sustainable food city. It needs 50 or so volunteers to help with a PR stunt on Saturday the 14th of May. So if you'd like to help, email volunteer at cambridgesustainablefood.org. And this one is a great tweet from Jack Monroe I really wanted to include here. She wrote... At age 11, I made a cheese and tomato pasta bake in home economics. I didn't have the ingredients, so two of my classmates gave me baby bells from their lunchboxes. I put them in without taking the wax off the outside. Today, I'm a best-selling cookery writer. Don't let your mistakes define you. And in our final feature today, we rejoin the intrepid Steve Thompson, otherwise known as the Foraging Chef, traversing the savage wilds of Cambridge in search of edible food. This was recorded by Sue, and by my maths, this is part three of Steve's wild food tour. Today, covering things like acorns, common hogweed, and Ivan's chai. The shoots you can cook as if you were cooking asparagus. So a tiny bit of water and a bit of butter and a lot of butter in a pan of salt. Mm. So it often has some nice fresh greens. But actually the magic really comes when the leaves are older. So when it's coming to flower, then picking the older leaves. And then it's kind of, it's known as fermented tea. But it's called Ivan's chai. And it's an old Russian tea. And basically what you do is you get the leaves when they're a bit older, roll them up in your hands like this to bruise them, and then put them in a pot and just leave them out for about two days until they start to turn black. And then you dehydrate them then and blend them out and crumble them up into a tea. And it's got a wonderful, deep, earthy, herbaceous flavour to it. It's a really nice, like, herbal tea. And the other really, really good thing is they have these lovely pink flowers. So the greater will have this one will have a perfect little white crucifix sat in the middle of the pink flower. And it's gorgeous. But the flowers, when you dry them out, taste exactly like cranberry. So it's a really nice plant when it's older. Like the shoots through are great, but as I say, this one's the greater will have heard. I'm almost 100% certain on that now. How can you tell the difference between the greater and the lesser? It just looks a bit more bulky at this stage. Mm. It is quite hard to tell the difference, Mm. so I wouldn't say I'm 100% sure until it's 
basically with foraging a lot of it is going back to your patches throughout the year yeah. and looking at it so when things are in certain stages they're quite hard to tell apart from close counterparts mm. <laughs> so this is a patch i'd normally pick mm. it from so beavers goose grass sticky willies sticky weed it's a really good for you plant as well lovely fresh pea flavors i wouldn't eat it how it is now because oh. it's got the little hooks on it it's not very pleasant but they come off with cooking or with infusing. And the best thing to do with this is to make a morning tonic with it. So stuff all your expensive kale smoothies and everything like that. Come out, get these the night before, put them in a glass of water overnight, and you'll get this lovely cucumbery, fresh, real full of antioxidants and everything like that in the next morning. It's absolutely gorgeous. We used to just, through lockdown, we used to pick it every night. We'd just go out into the garden, grab a few bits before bed put it in a jug of water and then in the fridge drink the water and then you drink the water the next day and it's absolutely oh. amazing it's so easy to identify because you've got all these little hooks and stuff like that on it the only things you're going to confuse it with is like other bed straws which are part of the gallium family mm. so gallium aparine is this is a binominal name so what is the name of it cleavers is probably its most yeah, classic it's, it's sticky isn't it yeah sticky weeds sticky yeah. willies it's what we all used at school to throw on each other throw, yeah. <laughs> you dry them all out and you can roast them up and grind them down and you can make a coffee out of it Wow. Uh, to be honest, a lot of the natural <laughs> coffees that we do, so things like acorns, dandelion roots, cleavers, they're not really a coffee. They're a bitter no. hot drink. Yes. There's yes. no real comparison. If you're going to compare them to a coffee, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. yeah. But it's just a nice way of saying they're a hot, bitter drink. Yeah. Out of all of them, I would say acorns is probably the best, but they're a pain in the arse to process. Oh. Yeah. So acorns are a wonderful thing that we don't really use. We're always taught they're poisonous. They're not. They're just full of tannins and very, very bitter. So again, you've got to leach them. So boil them, boil them, boil them, boil them, boil them until you get the clean water at the end, basically. And then you've got to shell them all. So it's, a, it's a real long process, but we use them quite a bit in cooking because they've got a wonderful butterscotch flavour to them, which is just absolutely incredible. And it almost tastes like sticky toffee sauce, but bitter. So they're a wonderful little nut to use. And you get mast years as well. So last year there was hardly any. The year before there was tons so i'm hoping oh beach sometimes, mast, yeah so it's, it'll be it's, sometimes it's one in three sometimes it's one in mm. two so i'm hoping this year we'll have lots of acorns again and we can top mm. up our larder with them that wasn't going to talk about today that's the start of common hogweed yeah and when it shoots through like that it is one of the best delicacies you can have fried up in a tiny bit of butter the leaves yeah the leaves the shoots like this when it starts to come through that's probably my favourite wild plant because of ah. all the different stages of it. Now, we won't go talk about it today because it's not really come up, so it's so hard how to big show do, you. Do, because these are small, but they can get really big. So, so You want it at this stage, the shoots. When the shoots are nice and small like this, to eat them in that stage is absolute bliss and treat them like asparagus. So have them with some poached eggs and a bit of hollandaise or something like that. So how do you tell the difference between this and the giant hogweed? It's exactly in the name. Oh. Giant hogweed is a beast. But when it's that small, it how the hell? Much bigger and quicker. Oh, will it? Yeah. Right. It is just an enormous plant. Mm. Like the hairs on this are nice and small and spiky and soft. Giant hogweed, they're like needles. Really? It'll come through and its main stem will be like a small tree. Enormous. Something that they don't tell you as well is giant hogweed is actually edible. It's not something I would ever recommend eating, mm. so please don't. But the cooking process does neutralise the sap and takes okay. away those qualities. Okay. So it's all about picking. This does have phototoxic sap as well. Oh. So picking on a sunny day, don't start rubbing the sap into your skins and stuff like right. that. Just be careful. It's nowhere near as bad as giant hogweed. Bad than, say, parsnips and stuff like that. But it does still have those qualities. So, so maybe pick it with gloves or just, like what I do, is I'll just cut it at the bottom like that once <laughs> you cooked it. But it's wonderful. But the whole plant as a whole is absolutely magic. We fly spices all over the world. 
to come to this country there is no better spice than hogweed seeds mm. it's cardamom it's orange peel it is just amazing it's yeah think citrusy orange cardamom and that's exactly where you are with it and it's just the best spice and you hardly see people use it it's one that we really should champion yeah. but a lot of the ones in this carrot family so you've got your fennels alexanders hogweeds carrots wild carrots all the seeds and stuff are just spices we should all have as staples in our cupboard how much so. do you reckon that they actually were used before the spice trade really got going probably it's, it's really difficult to tell isn't it i think it? yeah, yeah. I, it's it's almost impossible to tell but you would like you'd like to think they did because mm. how else would we got flavors in before we had True. all these shippings coming over yeah. from the west indies and i think that they would have had to be used a lot and i think a lot of these plants are things that we've just forgotten how to use True. we're suddenly finding new ways of using it yeah. they would have all been used like this mm. in the past that's a little mm. bonus one for today yeah. To have that. King Alfred cakes. King Alfred cakes. Wow. And they love ash trees. You can see ashes always I've never got a really seen dark them I've never seen them before. Yeah, and they're a really good little survival one for carrying embers and fire and stuff like that. And where they grow, they grow everywhere. They're not edible in the slightest. But no. <laughs> they really don't look little. edible. So when they're fresh, what colour have they got then? They start off a lighter grey colour and they get darker oh. as they go black, but they go black quite quickly. So you don't often see them before they're at the black stage. Yeah. You can sort of see with some of them they're a bit more kind of... This one is called fewer flowered leek, basically because it has fewer flowers. If this yeah. was three-cornered leek, when it flowers, there'd be flowers everywhere. Yeah. This one, you'd probably see 10 or 12 in this. The difference in the flowers and the identification is you open up the flowers and you look at the petals. So three-cornered leek, the Allium triquium, will have a green line through the middle. This one will just have a plain white petal. Mm. But it's absolutely gorgeous. It's an invasive species. Pick as much as you want. You can pick it. You, this is one of the few things you can dig up. Okay. So I wouldn't dig it, I'd just pull it and yep. the bulbs would come out. And the bulbs pickle like brilliant onions and stuff like that. They're like small, like almost like spring onions. So you keep this in pot? I have, yeah. I've got it in pots at home. So, so but if you, if you pick them up and pickle them, then you've got nothing left. They're, they're very they, small, they, aren't they? They go by bulb splitting a lot, <laughs> like herbs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the bulbs do get bigger than this. The bulbs will get sort of like yeah. almost up to silver really? skin onion size. Yeah. So you can pick this and grow the bulbs yourself? Yeah, yeah but not in the ground. It's illegal to do that. So what is the name right. again? This is fewer uh, flowered leek, Allium paradoxum, but it's absolutely gorgeous. This is one we should be using much more. Oh, we've just got the flowers starting here. There's a little pod there, just steam pod starting with the flowers. That but looks a bit like a wild garlic flower. Oniony garlic, really Ooh. punchy. Mm. Yeah. It's so versatile. There really isn't much you can't do. Wow. With make soups with it, make pestos with it, make herb oils. Uh, fermentation, this holds up really well to lacto-fermentation. So what we do with that is, it's really simple. If you can get yourself a cheap vacuum pack machine, they're about 20 quid off the internet. That's the best way to ferment. You can get recyclable backpack bags now, so it's much better. Oh, because I was wanting, so... Yeah, if you have a look on even places like Amazon and stuff and type in recyclable backpack bags, you can get them now that you wash out afterwards and put in your recycle bin. So it's a lot better. People... I've always said do glass fermentation because it's better for the environment. Well, it's, once it's, they're recyclable, yeah. you get no waste. You'll yeah. never have a fermentation that goes wrong in a backpack if you follow the right recipe. Whereas with glass, jars, there's so many things you've got to sterilise and it's quite a lot. So with these, literally all we do is we take the green parts of it to ferment it and we either leave them whole or chop them up and then we bash them up with 2% salt. So we weigh 2% is pretty much the magic number. It's not too salty, but it's just enough to keep a lot of the bad bacteria out. And they've all got natural lactobacilli on them, plants and stuff like that. So the only time you need to add anything like that to your ferments is if you have to cook the plant first. 
So say for certain mushrooms that we do, you have to cook them to make them edible. We'll cook them first and then we'll put a probiotic tablet in. I mean, I say probiotic tablet because that's the easiest way to get started. But if you've got other ferments, just pour the juice of that into it and give it a kickstart again and get that bacteria reintroduced. And all you're doing when you're doing fermentation is you're encouraging that pH level to come in. So you're turning the natural sugars into lactic acid and that's what preserves it. And the way to tell that your ferment is safe is with a little pH meter and it needs to be more acidic than 4.6 mm. and you're safe 4. and good 6. to go. How long have you fermented? So when I'm doing it in vatpat bags, it all, there's no time specific for fermentation. It's kind of about getting to know how they go and looking at them and watching them and learning the flavours. But the good rule with vatpat bags is when they've expanded to be like a balloon. So yeah. vacuum, don't leave loads of air and space in your yeah. vatpat bag. You want less. So vatpack it close to where your pulp is and then it will expand when it comes out to a high pressure balloon that's pretty much a good time to eat it it's not going to be too funky so you put it outside first mm. in the fridge outside definitely outside it needs to be warm mm. so you're looking for body temperature so if you're doing fermentations in the winter put it in your airing cupboard on top of your boiler things like that you don't want it hot but think bacterial growth yeah. is mm. best at our body yeah. temperature yeah. yeah so that's where you want it in the summer ferments take a lot less time they go a lot quicker mm. because it's so once you've fermented it what do you do with it so it's wonderful drying out and making salts and stuff like that oh right so you can dry it out and use it as a spice is a really good way once you've fermented it because it just adds another body of flavor that you just cannot get another way the sourness it's got kind of like a real acidic under punch to it and it mellows the garlicky flavor as well so you don't get that real intense garlic I can't go near anyone for the day kind of flavour, which is lovely at times, but it gets it a lot more mellow, a lot more full-bodied, a lot more built up and layered. It's a much more complex flavour. You can make kimchi out of this, so just follow a normal kimchi recipe and add this into it. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, soup bases. Finishing soups with fermented stuff, just whack it into the blender at the last minute. Don't boil it all up. You should still retain a lot of the goodness. About 81 degrees C is where I found that lactobacilli denatures so as long as you don't take it above that temperature you're still keeping a lot of the goodness into it mm. and so the ph about sort of three point yeah you want it around about the, yeah around about that to yeah. four kind mm-hmm. of level really but anything anything more acidic than 4.6 is definitely yeah. safe mm-hmm. i'm not saying it's not going to be earlier but when you're mm. leaving mm. stuff in warm areas i would encourage you to make sure you've got that safe ph level and the two percent salt protects it from other things as well mm. So it's it's really easy fermentation. It's not as hard as it looks. This is this one more easy to find than wild garlic? Would you say? When oh. you find it, it's, mm. as you'll see now, we'll walk down here and you'll notice it all over the place. Yeah, there we go. There'll be more wild food finds from Steve Thompson in our next episode. Now, we've just got time for a final bit of news. So on the 12th of May, MJP at the Shepherds has a five-course menu plus snacks and an MJP sourdough with a flight of wines from Fudi di San Gregorio from Italy. A wine expert will be in attendance to give you information about each of the wines, which are available to order at a discounted price. The menu, including all food and wine, is £95 per person. Places are extremely limited, so to book, phone Cambridge 293-280 or email bradley at mjprestaurant.com. Finboy's Restaurant and Deli is now fully open again at number 2 Mill Road. They will be having a special wine and music dinner on the 1st of June called Whole Lot of Rosé. The menu includes a crab, sea trout, wild sea bass, clams and turbot, and each dish will have an accompanying wine. Cost for that is £75. On the 25th of June, the Flourish Farm near Linton has a special event called Flourish on Fire. Amongst those providing the food and drink will be Steak and Honour, 
The Modern Table, Meadows, Wild Sky Brewing and Sam Adams of Vandalisle. It's £65 per head and it includes a welcome drink, a starter, a main course, a pudding and cheeses. Doors open at 7 for welcome drinks, dinner will be served at 8 and the evening finishes at midnight. On the 6th of July, we return to the Finn Boys on Mill Road and they will be hosting another food and wine evening called California Dreaming, presented by Hal Wilson, the Managing Director of Cambridge Wine Merchants. The five courses are each paired with a Californian wine and the cost is £65 per person. And finally, Culinaris is moving to larger premises, just up Mill Road, in fact, on the corner of St Barnabas Street in the premises previously occupied by Lloyd's Bank. So that's at number 90A. And that is all the time we have for today. We are here on Alternate Saturdays at 12 noon, repeated on Mondays at 6pm and Thursdays at 2pm. We'll also be available via podcast early in the next week. And coming up next on Cambridge 105 Radio Today is The Gadget Guide with Rob and Lawrence. But that is all for us. Flavor will be back on the 21st of May. So until then, from myself, Sue and Alan, goodbye. <laughs>